Hello, and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, a clinical microbiologist and the chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. With me today is Dr. Bill Maurice, the chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic and the president of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. This is our weekly discussion with Dr. Maurice in which we learn about updates in laboratory testing during the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, hi, Bill. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Dr. Pritt? Ah, very well. So today we're going to talk about vaccines, which I think is a really timely issue, especially sadly seeing the case numbers going back up again. Yeah, well, um, I mean, there's a lot here in our own geography for, you know, our Mayo facilities and across the country, some areas that have been percolating, if you will, in terms of numbers. And there's some concern now about cases coming back up. Of course, Europe is in a different situation than we are, and it really raises the issue of vaccination again, and really thinking about what the purpose of vaccination is, which sometimes I think gets lost in the dialogue. It's really twofold. We think about it on a very individual basis, right? Because it's an individual choice whether or not to get vaccinated for COVID prevention. But that's part of it is to protect an individual from getting COVID. And that's where we focus on the numbers in terms of percent efficacy and all those things. However, the other purpose of any vaccination protocol, in fact, some would argue the primary intent is actually the control and eradication of disease at a societal level, right? And you go back to smallpox is always held as the example, right, of a disease that was eradicated through vaccination or polio is another one, largely mm -hmm. so. So I think that we have to really keep both of those intents of vaccination in mind, particularly as we see these cases starting to come back up and concerns around the variants and all the other things. Yeah, I agree. It's individual protection, but it's really society, communal protection. And of course, uh, the more people we get vaccinated, the more herd immunity is potentially present in the community. And more and more people are being offered the opportunity for vaccination. And I know there is some vaccine hesitancy. Well, let's talk about some of the myths that are out there with that background you just gave us, Bill. There's a lot of confusion out there. I would say a big myth is that the vaccines are dangerous, that they were rolled out too quickly that the new science isn't fully tested. What are your thoughts on that? A big challenge with this is that, particularly with the first two vaccines that were introduced in the U.S., Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine, they use a new technology that we hadn't heard of before, even many of us in healthcare. So kind of created this impression that someone was cooking something up in the lab a year ago, and then in six months it was put out there for the world to, to start taking the reality is, is that this technology of mRNA vaccines actually was started under the George W. Bush administration uh, with the avian flu. So over 10 years ago, when the avian flu came and they realized that the current technologies and vaccination were so slow that if a pandemic happened, it would take too long to create a vaccine. That's when they started working on this. So the technology, even though it's new to us, is actually not new to healthcare and has been tried and actually been used in some other diseases like Ebola in very small scale. So that part is for people to know that it's new to us, but it's not new to medicine. It's something we've been working on for exactly this scenario. The other is that the trials themselves, that's confusing for people is that at the beginning of the pandemic, 
even here at, at Mayo, I remember hearing experts saying maybe about this time we'd start seeing things getting done with phase three trials and made available for vaccination. The best case scenario was kind of spring to early summer of 2021. So how did we shorten that timeline? And people think, well, then obviously shortcuts were taken. And actually they weren't. I think that represents an, a victory of medical science. Mm-hmm. And I go back, like it's like almost like the Apollo 13 movie, right? Where you had all these great brilliant minds that were coming together in the context of an emergency to, to create solutions. And that's really what happened in this case. You had medical experts, vaccine experts, the pharmaceutical industry all came together to do trials that were very complete and very inclusive, maybe more so than many other vaccine trials in terms of ethnic diversity and other things to get this done. So there were no shortcuts taken. And I think, I mean, you know more than I do, but also the data was reviewed not just by the FDA in the U.S., but I think also an independent vaccine mm-hmm. ethics yeah. It was, yeah. I think the main takeaway point from all of those excellent points you just mentioned is that uh, we know that these vaccines are exceedingly safe. And of course, there's been more than 100 million doses now delivered in the United States. The main side effects are relatively mild headache, fatigue, arm pain, especially after the second dose. And that's just signs that your immune system is mounting a response to protect you. So it's not dangerous. It's, It's good news in a way. Last but not least, I mean, to be honest, and talking about giving people complete information, it's mm-hmm. true. We haven't done long-term studies on these because they haven't been around very long. But we do know that there's long-term health consequences of COVID infection. Yeah. We know that a significant number of patients are experiencing symptoms well after the acute infection, so much so that it's being studied down to national level, right? It's called PASC, I think, uh, post-acute SARS-CoV-2 syndrome or something to that effect. But basically, there's unlikely to be much in the terms of long-term risk from the vaccine. And we do know there's long-term risk from the infection itself. So again, all the more reason to really put that into the mental balance as you consider whether or not to get vaccinated. Yeah, that's really the big question, isn't it? Is it worse to get vaccinated versus not and run the risk of getting COVID? And I think the evidence just overwhelmingly shows with the vaccines being safe that you want to get that vaccine or at least strongly consider it if you have that opportunity. Getting COVID can be really quite dangerous. All right, on to myth well, number two. Yeah, myth number two. Here's one that might be easy to answer. Can you get COVID-19 from the vaccine itself? No. <laughs> yeah. Think, yeah, that one is easy to answer. I, yeah, people get confused because there mm-hmm. are some vaccines for flu, for instance, that use what's called an attenuated live virus, meaning that it can grow in your system for a short period of time as a way of eliciting an immune response. But that isn't this type of vaccine. All the vaccines that are available for COVID use only a small piece of the virus and therefore cannot cause you to either get infected with COVID itself or to pass it to others. And that's good to mention because not everyone understands the differences between all these different types of vaccines. Yeah, I I had a little bit of a crash course in vaccines myself the last year. Oh, yeah. Well, I think we all have stuff that we learned in medical school but haven't had to really think about except now. Well, another myth then, I shouldn't get the vaccine if I have an underlying medical condition like cancer. First of all, the, the studies and the trials that were done we're inclusive of people with underlying medical conditions because we know those are the individuals that tend to get really sick with COVID and, and have risk of even death. So that's number one. Number two is that there's no health group that we know that the vaccine is dangerous. We do have concerns in some instances it might not be as effective at like in cancer patients. So all the more reason to, again, to talk to your provider that understands your health and your underlying health conditions if you have them and really get the best advice on when to get vaccinated. At some point, sometimes it might be very important going back for cancer, for instance, it might be the cancer. Again, I'm a blood cancer 
know, hematopathologist, so that's my specialty. And we know that patients with those blood cancers actually are at risk for severe COVID and do poorly when they get infected. But we also know that some of the treatments for cancers actually make your, they, they suppress your immune system and make you less apt to respond to the vaccination. So again, talk to your provider and make an informed choice about when to get the vaccine and what the risks are if you don't get it. So. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that, Bill, because your provider is thinking about a whole bunch of different things. You know, if it's a, hemato, a hematologist trying to decide on what therapies to give you if you have cancer. So be an advocate for yourself as a patient and say, and bring it up. It doesn't hurt to just say, hey, should I get this vaccine before we do treatment? I mean, ask those questions, have that discussion with your provider. Same thing if you're pregnant or you're considering becoming pregnant, you know, that's a question that some of my friends and family members have asked me. And again, think about the risks and the benefits. You don't want to get COVID and think of the risks associated with that. Yep. And, and before we move off this myth, I think the other myth that's out there, which probably isn't on your list, is that somehow doctors and healthcare mm-hmm. providers are incentivized to, to not tell the whole truth about the vaccine because they want people to get vaccinated. Certainly that is not the case. We share what we know and what we don't know. And the reality is that the vaccine is the best tool that we have to stop the spread of COVID in society and also protect individuals. So we're going to share that information. But, uh, you know, again, this is about an individual making an informed choice about their health. It's not about a hidden agenda. Well, that was not on my list of myths, but I do have (laughs) a long list of myths, um, things that have been circulating out there. And actually probably another big one is the myth that you don't need the vaccine if you've already had COVID. As it turns out, natural infection, as we've seen, it has variable levels of exposure. So some people probably get exposed and they don't get symptoms and they might not really have had very much of a, of a dose of the virus, if you will. And so they won't have a very strong immune response. And that was a lot of the concern early on was that natural infection might be leave people prone to reinfection. The reason behind getting vaccinated is to really make sure that you get a full level of immunity, that your, that your immune system is fully challenged by the virus so that it can effectively prevent you from getting reinfected or infected, reinfected if you previously had mm-hmm. it. The other thing that we've seen actually out of this is that information now is that people who have had prior COVID infection that get vaccinated actually get very high levels of, of neutralizing antibodies after the first dose of the two-dose mRNA vaccines. And actually the antibodies that they get are really powerful, actually even protective against the new variants that are emerging. So in fact, we're actually looking at those individuals, potential high value donors of convalescent plasma, mm-hmm. going back to the hemologic malignancy, knowing there's some that won't respond to vaccines and so they'll need some other treatment. So lots of no reason not to, and lots of good reasons to get vaccinated if you've had COVID prior. Yeah, I agree. That whole risk of not being fully protected, especially if you had a relatively mild infection, you know, and if the risk is, say, one in 10, that you could get infected again, and that infection could lead to a really serious infection, then why take that chance? You know, would you... uh, get into a car if there was a one in 10 chance that you were going to get an accident. (laughs) You know, it it might just be a fender bender or it might be really serious. So I think that the data helps support the importance of getting that full, really strong protection from a vaccine. Yep. And it goes back. I mean, if you think back to the debates happening over the summer about should we go with vaccination versus natural infection? Remember, there were groups on both sides of that. And I mean, honestly, we've seen that natural infection, excuse me, does not necessarily uh, been effective in, in conferring herd immunity. I mean, that's a concern out of Manaus, Brazil, which was a, was a city that was thought that had been hit so hard early days of COVID that they would have herd immunity. And then they did have a subsequent wave with a variant. So lots of good reasons to get vaccinated, even if you've had COVID. 
So a, a related question, another myth is that the vaccines don't work that well, that you could still get infected. Um, yeah, what do you think that, about that? Well, there's, I mean, that's, it's an interesting one, right? I mean, they are mm -hmm. not vaccines that are so strong in their response that they prevent you from actually getting the virus in your system. We know that. We also know now from information studies performed here at Mayo as well as elsewhere that getting vaccinated does decrease the amount of people even with asymptomatic infections. So it's not complete, but it's a lot better, right? We also know from the data, irrespective of the numbers that you hear about effectiveness, that essentially all of them prevent serious illness. Because really what we're trying to prevent from a healthcare perspective is patients getting seriously ill with COVID and ending up in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And all the vaccines are highly effective at doing that. So there's really no reason to, to wait for one versus the other or to use that as a rationale to get out getting vaccinated. The other piece of that, of course, is that the more people who are vaccinated, the less virus there is going around in the community. That's the whole concept of herd immunity and that societal benefit, right? So Again, if that's your concern, the most effective thing you can do is get some level of immunity because that stops the spread. Oh, I think that said it really well. And that was actually my, my last myth I wanted to cover was, you know, why bother with all the variants that are coming out? They're going to get us in the end. Uh, the vaccines will be useless. But I think the data really shows that the vaccines are still quite efficacious against the predominant strains circulating in the U.S. and even against some of the variants, even though there might be some decrease in efficacy, there's still no reason not to get the vaccine. It still provides a high level of protection. And yeah. I would say... Like you just said, the faster we all get vaccinated, the better. You know, there's less virus, less chance of mutation, less variants popping up. Yep. I think the other thing is just our own expectations around vaccination and how this will end, right, in terms of the pandemic. Because it came out of nowhere. A year ago is like right when the, all of a sudden toilet paper became a hot commodity. Right? <laughs> yeah. And that kind of thing. And I've been so stocking was, up ever since. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just out of the blue that this happened. And so... The vaccination kind of created the impression for many of us that once the vaccines are out there, it'll stop and we'll go back to normal. Well, the reality is that it's going to be a stepwise process, even with vaccines. And that's not a reason to get frustrated about the efficacy of the vaccine. Because, you know, you hear about, well, you still have to mask and we still have to socially distance. And so what good is it? But the reality is, and then we're seeing now from the CDC, it will allow a stepwise process back to normalcy and reestablishment of society. I mean, and that's really the most important thing. And, and, and you have to think about all those things as you take into account whether or not you want to get vaccinated. Yeah, very well said. I think we're all looking forward to those steps as life starts to get back to normal. And I think that would be a great topic for our next podcast or future podcast is life after vaccination, because there are some things that you can do after you're fully vaccinated. Yeah. So we'll save that for our next time. That'll be for next time. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Bell. It's always great talking with you. Yeah, you as well. And we're getting better at this. Look, we even have a teaser for our next podcast. So I know. Look at that. Wow. We're getting like professional. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, have a great too. week. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday. <laughs>